morning, everybody. Today we're going to be continuing our study on the grace of God. And before we do that, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, I just pray that you'd be with us right now. Please help us to take a moment and focus on your word and particularly focus on the things that pertain to your grace, um, the grace that you have placed on our lives for those who believe in you. And I just pray that now as we look at some of the things that can um, cloud or help us fully acknowledge, um, fully understand your grace, I pray that you would help us to focus in on those things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, last week we did a lot of defining the grace of God, right? And I'd like to just turn to one quote that I said a couple of times. It was A.W. Tozer, which said, Grace is that in God which brings us... Um, brings into favor one who is justly in disfavor all right so just as a recap kind of of um, last week's um, video and so this week I kind of wanted to take a little bit of a turn because I ran into this in one of the books I was reading by J.I. Packer and he points to four things um, that we kind of need to acknowledge for us to have a good understanding of the grace of God and as I was reading them, I realized that these are kind of four really important things for us to understand. So I thought I would share those with us as before we continue on to our next video. And so here are four things that we need to acknowledge to help us fully understand the grace of God. The first one is the moral destruction of man. And so basically this is that we think we are better than we are, right? As human beings, right? If you go around the world today, it would be um, a question you could ask people would be, are humans good or are they bad in their very basis of the sense, right? And you'd probably get a lot of people saying that they believe that most humans are good um, and just a few evil ones, right? So we really need to take a look at this. People really do think that other people are ultimately good. Um, with just a few bad. But when you look through scripture, right, that's what we need to look at. We see that we are all bad, right? And so we could turn to Isaiah 64, 6, one of a uh, favorite passage of mine, which says, We are all dirty with sin, even our good works are not pure. They are like blood-stained rags. We are like dead leaves. Our sins have carried us away like wind. And so you read that passage and you can't really come away saying, well, people must be ultimately good, right? We are all dirty with sin. Even our good works are not pure. That is when the world says, well, we do a lot of good things, right? We are ultimately good people. Well, now the Bible says even our good works, our good works are not pure. They are like blood-stained rags. And I won't get into the detail about what that means, but you could imagine back in the day. And we are like dead leaves, right? So we are seeing pretty clearly that we aren't as good as we think we are, right? But also we could turn to a passage like Romans 3.23, which says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Plain and simple, right? All have sinned and fall short to God's glory. And the when you think of that passage, that one's very good because it shows us to what we fall short of, and that is the glory of God, right? 
we need to understand that before a holy and just God, we are sinful human beings. We all fall short of that glory. And so we really aren't as good as we think we are. And we really must acknowledge this to get to the point where we can fully understand God's grace, right? Because if you understand how sinful and in need of grace you were, the better you can appreciate that grace in your life. And so that's the first one, right? The moral destruction of man. The second thing would be the retributive just uh, justice of God, right? Um, so this is basically saying when we turn a, bl a blind eye to sin, um, when we tolerate sin, and sometimes it can be seen as good, um, and you can see this, a pretty clear example of this would be like parents, right? And sometimes they let their kids do things that are actually in a sense sinful but they would say something like it's part of the growing experience or all kids have to do it at least once i think this happens a lot when kids go to college and they do all these things um, that are more worldly i'll say are sinful and then the, it's just kind of that college experience right um, but the thing we need to re realize is sin is sin, right? Before a holy God, that and all sin will be punished, right? So God will punish because he is not only gracious, right? That's what we've been looking at, but he is also holy and just, and that must remain. So we need to understand the importance or the severity of our sin, before a holy and just God. So that's the second thing. So the third thing would be the spiritual impotence of man. And so this is the thought that we can repair our own sin, right? And we can see this a lot in the world, right? And we kind of talked about this a bit last week, right? That there isn't anything we can do um, to get us to the point of grace, right? Grace and works do not mesh together. We talked about that. Um, and this is a lot of things, right? That people try to do to repair their relationship with God. It can um, be doing the right things. It can, being with, can be being with the right person, um, having the right things. There are many things, but when you think about them, they all boil down to works, right? They have to do, see, or be something. They have to have these works to bring them closer to God. And we know this can't happen, right? We could look at Romans 3.20, which says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Right? That's very important for us to understand. And for some reason, human beings kind of have this tendency to want to do things to earn their way, even though it's technically harder, right? It is a free gift of God, eternal life, and yet still people want to try to work for it. That's um, kind of interesting. But the law does not save, right? It only shows us that we need to be saved. So we cannot do anything that's why we needed God to do something for us. And that's why he did through his grace. Okay, so we need to see the spiritual impotence of man. So that's the third thing. 
that we can that we need to acknowledge and understand to help us understand grace better especially grace in our own lives but the fourth thing is going to be this the sovereign freedom of god and this one's a little more tricky right and this is the thought that god has to do something for us that he has to help us and so why would that thought be bad right um well obviously because god is not required to do anything because of us and then when you think about it, it really goes down to works also what we just talked about right because if we say hey look we are doing these things therefore god must do these things and we're essentially saying that works can bring us closer to god because once we do these things it brings us to the point where god has to save us so we automatically can't have that view and so we really can't um but again we could look at ephesians 2 8 through 9 which says this um, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing it is a gift of god not a result of work so that no one may boast right so we looked at that again last week quite a bit and i don't want to um, overbear the um that topic too much but suffice it to say that you really cannot have works and grace right it is grace because if we could we could boast about it and all of the glory belongs to god and that's why you cannot and so the thing is what is what else what else does the bible say about this right we could turn to psalm 58 through 13 um but part of it says not for your sacrifices do i rebuke you your burnt offerings are continually before me and so basically what is he saying there in that that psalm um and he's basically saying it was not their works god was looking at he was looking at their hearts right it was not for your sacrifices do i rebuke you your burnt offerings are continually before me right they were there they were doing it it's just he was looking at the heart and that is the wrong scripture so i'm not sure what i got that but acts also we could look at 17:25, which says nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything right so again we see that same concept god does not need anything from us nor is he required to do anything because of us nor do we deserve anything i like what this quote says it says the only thing that we can claim is his justice and that's a very powerful quote um and that again was from packer and so those right those are the four things that we need to understand for us to fully or better understand the grace of god particularly in our life own life right the moral destruction that we aren't as good as we think we are in fact we are usually a lot worse than we are then we turn a blind eye to sin and think it's not as severe as it really is or the thought that we can repair our own sin or the thought that god has to do something for us 
um, because again, we did something that he has to help us, right? We see that God is not required to do anything. And so those are the four things. And I'm going to conclude this video here um, with the word of prayer. And then we'll continue on for in our last video on the study. So, Father, just thank you for everything you do for us. And I pray that you would um, help this to sink in and that we would become contemplating your grace in our lives and that we would fully understand the need of your grace in our life and we just thank you and praise you for everything that you have done are doing will continue to do in this world in Jesus name amen